This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And uh, hello. Uh, just a I don't think you're on, and I don't think I'm on either, am I? Whoops, we've got a missing producer, and we're going to just pretend... We, oh, yeah, I'm on. I think I'm here. We can share my mic till Dave comes okay. back. All right. <laughs> Hi, Charlie. Hey, Frank. How are you? <laughs> we're leaning in here like two little birds yeah, it's uh, okay. in one mic. Uh, in any case, uh, here we are on a Saturday morning. Once again, the lines are open right now uh, if you give a call to 416-360-0740. That's in Toronto. And then anywhere else in the province, it's toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Speedy Gonzalez, you made it back there. David Gaskin, our producer. Uh, I don't know whether that was the Green Apple two-step or what that was, but uh, he, he was in and out. Uh, and, right. and we, we got him back, and, We're and back. he's the first voice you will, uh, you will talk to when you call in those numbers, okay? Hey, uh, Charlie, uh, what happened to that snow out there? Uh, a little bit, tiny, a little ti- dust. Well, you know what? House. You know what ticked me off? Yeah. It was like Mother Nature gave me a slap with a velvet glove. You know, <laughs> Again. okay, I'm not going to hit you big with a storm, but I'm going to make you get out of your car and scrape your windshield. Oh. And I had, yeah, I had to scrape the windshield. Oh, I didn't. Oh, my, well. Well, my car was outside. It just had a little dusting of snow. Oh, gosh. But, you know, it's interesting you bring up the weather and how, of course, that relates yeah. to gardening because there was a lot of anxiety for people after that super warm uh, week or, or exactly. number of days, record-breaking high temperatures, and then the cold. And, and like I say, anxiety about, well, what about the plants? You know, should mm-hmm. I be running around with uh, hot water bottles or, or electric blankets mm-hmm. to keep them warm during these cold nights? What I'm seeing, and I think what most of us are seeing who, who have gardens and been watching them with great trepidation this last 10 days or so, most plants have survived. Or, and Okay, first of all, all plants have survived. Like nothing has died because of the cold. What has happened is we've, we will lose and we have lost some of the early spring flowers on some of the plants oh. because the frost has just toasted their little buds or, or blasted out their, their actual flowers. Good example would be the magnolia. The well, mag- that's a shame. That's a beautiful. Uh, it is, and tree, when yeah. and when we have a nice, gentle spring, uh, you know, it's just we've had a couple actually yeah. the last few years where it's just wow, you know, knock your socks off when those flowers are all happening and mm-hmm. it's just so showy and so ornamental. And then the petals fall. It's like you know, a snow drifts beneath the trees because yeah. there's just so, yeah, so they don't many last petals. Long, do they? No. no, and it's all got to do with temperature, right? Mm-hmm. The warmer it gets, the shorter the flowers last. In our case, so we got the, that cold snap, which has shortened the life of some of the flowers. Right. So yeah. they turn brown shriveled up 
the trees are not damaged. It's just the flowers. So don't worry. Don't don't say, oh my gosh, my magnolia died. Some of your flowers may have died on your magnolia, but the plant is fine, and next year's another year. What worries me, right. of course, and I, I didn't get a chance to do any research on this, though I don't know if the information's in, it's the commercial fruit growers. When when the buds are, are really bursting forth, mm-hmm, the flower buds, mm-hmm. and then we get a late hard frost, the, the little flower buds get blasted off, just like they did with the magnolias, and that, of course, has impact for fruit. Well, we've got a lot of listeners in the Niagara area where yeah. a lot of fruit is grown. Maybe sure. they'll give us a call if, and let us know how it's Yeah, if anybody's got any update on the peaches, the pears, the cherries, the yeah. apples, we'd love to hear, uh, you know, any kind of Grimsby, upshot. the peach capital of the world. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like that's, well, that's all right. Winona, the, Winona. Uh, the other peach capital yeah. of the world? <laughs> yeah, they got two, I think. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay, All right, all right. Uh, quick updates. Yep. Um, uh, obviously, weather being one of our big updates. Uh, update number two would be Canada Blooms is over. I'm happy to say I'm now out of my hotel. I'm breathing fresh air, and which is, you know, when you're at the show, it's gorgeous and it smells great, but you don't know how dusty and oh, what yeah. it turns into afterwards. It's a very... You were telling me that you had tons of people come up saying hi. Yeah, I did. I had all kinds of people who just know the show and yeah. heard my voice, whatever, chit-chatting with somebody and, and said, love the show, you know, Frank and you, what a what a... What a wacky pair. And, uh, <laughs> I'd vote for that. Yeah, so a couple of, you know, hellos to all the people that said hello to me. One, one a couple was Nalini and her husband said, you know, they're keen listeners, listen all the time, love the show. So I assume they're listening now. So hi to you. And uh, the woman who sends me the uh, updates for the Agent Court Garden Club. Oh, you know, thanks for, for reading right. all those. And yeah, it was fun. It was good. I, lo- I love Canada Blooms for that. You get to put a lot of faces to a lot of names. Yes, and you had some more. notes as I well. I have more, darling. You have more. Okay. Uh, remember, send your letters mm-hmm. to the CF, CRTC because there is an opportunity for AM740 or Zoomer Media, I guess, mm-hmm. to get a license for an FM band to basically Rebroadcast yeah, our simulcast station, yeah. AM740 on AM740, but then also uh, have it on an a- on an FM station for those of us that uh, have issues with AM. Yeah, Some people yeah. in high-rises, people near TTC bridges, lines, uh, bridges, or me yep. with hydro towers up the sort of 407 way and Highway 7, bad F- AM uh, reception up there, so FM could really solve the problem. Uh, April 2nd is the deadline, so if you're going to write a letter in support of this, please do so. So, and it's very simple. Just go to the AM740 website and it comes right up. And it's what comes up is a bring us to FM. Uh, this will not affect anybody's ability to hear Frank and I and all your other favorite shows. It just means it would give you another option. Yeah. AM and FM. All right. Tomorrow, the uh, Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society is having their April meeting and plant sale. Uh, that is from 1.30 to 4 p.m. Note, there is a location change for this meeting only. They will be meeting at the Latvian Canadian Cultural Centre for Credit Union Drive in Toronto. Free admission and all are welcome. There's a speaker, Fritz, Fritz Kumert. He will be speaking on highlights of a four-acre garden in southeast Austria. Oh. All right. Fritz Kumert and his wife garden in the southeastern part of Austria, way up in the mountains, at an elevation of approximately 500 meters. And so, of course, this is relevant to the Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society because he's going to be working with all those little tiny, you know, alpine plants. You know. Yeah. Think at, of, at high altitude, Sure. Too, think of the sound of music, right? Remember wow. over the mountains and all yeah. the little stuff that's growing up there? So that's the kind of thing that that they'll obviously be talking about at the meeting tomorrow, and Fritz will be covering as well. So I have a couple more. 
more announcements, but I will save them for later in the well, show. Well, all right then, Ollie. Mm. We'll progress <laughs> on with the show. Oh, and my uh, the mantra for the show. Yes. It is uh, call early, call often, one question per call. And that's to kind of give everybody a fair shot at things. And we'll be along to say hi to Marilyn in Newmarket in just a couple of moments here on Zoomer Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden, looking at our uh, comments uh, from our listeners. I know that Marilyn in Newmarket is waiting to chat with you, uh, Charlie. And in the comment line is, big tree and animals. I'm envisioning uh, a kangaroo up in a tree in the backyard there. I don't know. What's going on there, Marilyn? Uh, Yes, I have this large pine tree in the front of the house that Mm. has uh, been planted much too close to the house as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so probably 35, 40 foot high. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, the pine needles are dropping everywhere, and they've been killing the grass. Yep. Um, now, Thursday night, some animals came, and they dug it all up, all this dry grass up all night, you know, and I went and fixed it all yesterday and put some seed down and watered it, and they dug it up worse today. <laughs> Sounds like skunks and, to me. Uh, I'm thinking about getting the tree taken down as much as I don't like to, to get rid of a tree, but it is too close to the house, and it's really getting to be a problem, especially with the needles. Well, and you know, what you're talking about is something that we see so often, that the little, tiny, sweet little tree is planted too close, as you say, to the mm-hmm. house, the driveway, the sidewalk, whether it's a little baby blue spruce or a little baby pine, and they do grow, you know, 40 feet tall, as you indicate, and 20 feet wide. Uh-huh. And suddenly it was just wrong. So yeah. it's the sweet little puppy that turns into a Great Dane uh, issue, and what do yeah. you do? now? To, <laughs> Someone to, suggested that I had grubs in the lawn, but... Well, there's uh, there's no question that digging up is is because of grubs, and it could be raccoons or it could be skunks. Some animal is digging up to get those grubs, which is honestly what you have to let them do at this point. They uh-huh. will help get rid of a lot of the grubs, and your desire to fix the lawn, I understand it entirely, but you're going to have to wait a month before you do any fixing of the lawn. Right. Wait until the grubs have moved on to the next stage of their life cycle. The raccoons and skunks will be gone, and at that point, you can fix your lawn, and it'll it'll come up nicely. Yeah, would the grubs uh, be attacking just that dead part? Um, the grubs are looking for any live roots to chew on, so they will actually be chewing on even the pine tree roots. I uh, see. They'll they'll. They don't want dead grass roots. They want live roots. Uh-huh. So the grubs will move around to find live roots. And, yeah, they'll chew, they will take an awful lot of grubs to have any big impact on a big old pine like that. Uh-huh. But to get rid of that pine, uh, you will need to recognize that you can't just cut it down because you want to. It is something where you will need a permit. from. Uh, you're in Newmarket, so from uh, York Region, you'll need to get a permit. And, of course, to get that permit, you'll need a certified arborist's report on why that tree should come down. I see. I, I called the town yesterday, mm-hmm. and they said uh, that it was on to- totally on my property. Right. I could do whatever I wanted with it. Oh. Oh, well, that's news to me. Um, yeah, I, I thought that I would have to get uh, the permission to have it removed. Hmm. But that's 
what they told me, as Excellent. long as it's totally on my own property. Yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah, because it, it, there's private and there's public. But I could would have thought that Newmarket, similar to everybody else, had a bylaw even on privately owned land when it came to trees of certain sizes. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. So if somebody said, go ahead, do whatever you want, uh, it's on your yeah, own property. Yeah, hmm. which I was surprised at because I thought I would need a permit. But okay. anyway, I think that I it's just causing too many problems. I think that I'm going to have to get rid of it. Hmm. But I just wondered about the grass part, whether animals attack only the dead grass. Uh, no, the animals, as you know, are, are going for the grubs, and yeah. the grubs are going to eat anything root-wise that's below ground. But, you know, re- keep in mind, the grubs aren't going to be a problem for much longer. They're mm-hmm. just around for a month at the most. Okay. Thank you very much. You're very First welcome. Time caller, long time listener. Oh, Thanks thank for you. your call. Thanks, Marilyn. Yeah, uh, checking in with our callers here on this uh, Saturday. What is it? The 31st? It is. It it's is. Earth Hour Earth tonight. Earth Hour tonight. Yeah, everybody flicks off lights at uh, whatever time. That's right. You get down, you yeah. snuggle in bed. Midnight. Eight, no, 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 no. Oh. 8.30 p.m. Oh, 8.30 Eastern p.m. Standard Time. Oh, there you go. See, I mean, I, if we, you live here... I in... know nothing. I am just the under under-chef here. <laughs> Undergardener. <laughs> under, Undergardener. <laughs> okay, but yeah. let me just um, tell you one more thing that's going on, uh, speaking of exciting uh, events, yeah. Earth Hour being one of them. Um, next week is the Peterborough Garden Show. It runs uh, April 5th, 6th, and 7th. So that would be Thursday, Friday, Saturday next week. It is being held at the Evan Rood Centre in Peterborough, and I'm on deck... On Saturday the 7th at 12 noon, uh, there's all kinds of amazing speakers, of which I might point out I am one of them. Amazing. <laughs> oh, did I say that? Uh, with <laughs> that was men's voice. My actual um, topic <laughs> is amazing, annuals, what's new for 2012. So I'll be presenting all about new varieties for mm-hmm. the garden and what's new and exciting out there. Of course, I will not be here because I can't be in two places at once. Yep. And they wouldn't hire me a helicopter to get me from here to Peterborough in time. So Dennis Flanagan will be here oh, good old with Dennis. you. Yeah, we have fun. Good old Dennis. We'll be here with you, filling in from 9 till 10. And so you guys are going to be, you know, handling all the tough questions. Uh, and you'll be handling tough Dennis. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'll be in Peterborough setting up for a 12 o'clock presentation, but I will also be running a remote. So I'll be uh, cutting reporting in. Reporting back in. Exactly. I'll talk to you during my That's show. That's right. So I'll be reporting in between 11 and 3 what's yeah. going on in Peterborough. It's quite a big show. The Peterborough yeah. Garden Show has been on for years and years and years. Uh, so it's quite an exciting show. There are over 150 vendors, exhibitors, gardens, floral competitions, even a children's garden. So for more information, if you want to go, www. PeterboroughGardens.ca. Okay. Now, I know that Francis has been waiting patiently on that line uh, here in Toronto, and I'm going to ask you to, Francis, hold on just a tad. We're just bumping up against a little commercial break here, and we start out at this point in time in the show with me unbuttoning this shirt to (laughs) unveil. Not again. Yes, the Lycra suit with (laughs) SS on it. Uh, (laughs) It's shiny. There I I am. It's shiny. Oh, my. Yes, in so, all my glory. Sierra Sil is what Frank <laughs> is referring to, yes. which is a completely natural mineral supplement that both Frank and I take to keep us yeah. active. Even if and it's limber. just our jaw that's active <laughs> and limber. We no, it's more than that because we are both 
people that like to be active and get out and do things. So, you know, gardening season is coming, and Frank's promised me he's going to come help me in my garden, since, of course, he lives in an apartment. <gasps> First has, I've heard of it. <laughs> yeah, no, you promised. Oh, you just don't gee. remember. And uh, so he's going to be coming to help me rake my lawn and, you know, move a couple trees around and stuff. So Sierra Sill is helping to keep and to fill us your wine bag. active <laughs> and uh, with reduced ache and aches and stiffness. Okay. Well, Sierra Sill can be purchased on the web, sierrasill.ca. It can also be purchased at many local Ontario health food stores. Uh, the Natural Food Depot in Scarborough on Lawrence Avenue East carries it. The Port Credit Village Pharmacy on Lakeshore Road East and in Port Credit. Also, um, Hooper's Pharmacy in uh, Brampton carries Sierra Sill or give them a call. one eight seven seven joint 14 Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And her little buddy, Frankie Proctor, little along buddy. here. Uh, as Come on. <laughs> yes. You're my big buddy. Well, th- oh, I haven't gained weight? No, no. <laughs> no, because uh, you stay active. Well, yes. And I can see with that lycra suit, <laughs> oh, you haven't gained go, any here weight. Here we go. Francis in Toronto. Hello and welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Charlie and Frank. I really like that musical. Isn't <laughs> that <laughs> <Not> a riot? <laughs> I think that is the... It just goes with the, the garden and everything else. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd like to uh, ask you about... Uh, I have a pink hydrangean, mm-hmm. and uh, the stem is quite long, and the dried flower is on top, but I noticed on the stem it's budding, mm-hmm. and I was wondering whether I should cut that right down. Can you tell me when, um, what shape the flowers are? Are they round? They're round. Okay. So the interesting thing with the round or the hydrangea macrophylla, the round flowers, they bloom early summer typically. Um, depending on when you planted this plant, how many years ago was it planted in your garden? Oh, it's quite old. It is. Eh? More than five years Right, so it's probably one of the forms of hydrangea macrophylla that blooms on last year's wood, so last year's stems. So the challenge with this plant is to remove the flowers, because the flowers are done. They, they're ornamental all winter, but you will trim them off in the spring. But then to look at each stem and trim each stem down until you see green buds. You'll see a pair of buds on each stem, and the, it's a shiny, almost a bark in between. Uh, after when we have really cold winters, typically it's all the stems are dead, almost right down, sometimes right down to the ground. But after a mild winter like this, I think you'll find that there's a lot of live wood above ground. So just trim out the dead and let them be, and they will leaf out, and they should flower out quite profusely after such a mild winter. Wonderful. Okay. Thank you very much. You're very You're welcome, welcome, Francis. A happy voice there from Toronto. Let's uh, check out the happiness scale uh, from George here in <laughs> Copetown. Hi, George. How are you doing? Good. Thanks, Charlie. Or, or Frank, rather. <laughs> I'm wondering if it's okay to use uh, rinse water from the laundry uh, for watering plants. Uh, we're on well water, mm-hmm. but the water goes through a filter and a soft water conditioner first. Mm. Uh, Yes, it is okay, but the way soft water conditioners work is that they replace one set of minerals with another set of minerals or salts. So uh, softened water tends to be quite salty when it goes onto the gardens. Okay. So that's my one limiting factor. Um, Yes, I would not hesitate to use it. 
But keep in mind that where you are using it, if you have, do you collect rainwater at all? Um, I do. Because rainwater, of course, is one of the best ways to neutralize salt. I mean, fertilizer is a salt as well. And you know how if you, with our houseplants, if we, after many, many years of watering and fertilizing, yeah, all that white uh, cakey stuff ends up on the surface of the soil or on the pots. That is the salt coming out of, like, precipitating out of solution. And, you know, you can see the minerals right there. And that's what can happen with soft water is that, uh, again, you've got all this sort of salt buildup that can take place. It's just a matter of ensuring that wherever you use your your softened water or your laundry water, it's out in the open so that when it does rain, the rain will help neutralize some of the salts that could get built up. Okay, yeah. I was wondering whether it was good for yucca plants. Uh, We've got them quite close to the house. Mm -hmm. Well, yuccas are great because they don't need water very often. Yuccas are like desert plants. Right. And so they are a good plant often to plant near the house where there, there isn't as much rainfall due to the eaves, etc. So, I mean, you could. But again, keep in mind, if rain never comes in there to neutralize, you could end up with a with a slow but sure buildup of, of a salty buildup around those yuccas. So I'd be inclined to disperse the, the laundry water out uh, and use it kind of everywhere rather than just on, on certain plants. Okay. Okay, just to Alrighty, thanks for that. avoid any concentration. You're very welcome. Yeah, take thanks. care of That's things in Coketown for yeah. us. Thank you very much. Uh, on to uh, an Oakville caller here now, Doris, uh, calling about an indoor plant. Is that correct, Doris? Yes. When I talked to the gentleman before, <laughs> it wouldn't come, oh. but it's an orchid. <laughs> okay, it's an orchid, no problem. Okay. Yes, and I just wondered about them. Uh, what do you wonder? Um, the gray tinnacles that... Um, protrude from them. Um, <laughs> they're like roots, yeah, but one, one has gone real tall, and I have a few other around the edge of the plant. And uh, they sort of, you know, don't look the greatest. And but you have to kind of leave them, don't you, Charlie? Those are those are the uh, life-giving properties to that plant. Yeah, well, they're completely natural and normal. You, you just have to try and envision that orchid in its natural environment. Okay. So naturally, rather than being in a little pot on your windowsill, that plant would have arrived by a, a seed, typically, that landed in the crotch of a tree, and there was some leaf litter and some buildup of yeah. whatever debris, and it kind of seed lands there and it germinates and when it grows the the orchid that's hanging up in that tree there uses those roots to hold on to the tree but also believe it or not to take moisture from the air so, okay. and the silver part of it, that's like a little kind of a skin that grows on the green roots. Mm. Um, typically, we leave it alone, though. You will find that if the plant grows, uh, dries out with any consistency, that silver will tend to disappear and you'll just have the, the roots there exposed. Um, How long have you had the orchid? Oh, for ages. Like My daughter-in-law you? gave it to me years ago. I'm not really an orchid lover, uh-huh. but this plant has just bloomed and bloomed. Right oh, now, gosh. there's two beautiful blooms. You can't kill it, it with a stick, huh? That's, right. gosh, that's great. Well, maybe, um, so it has two blooms on it now. Maybe you could, uh, sometime in the next month or two months, get a bigger, slightly bigger pot, a clay pot, get some orchid bark, which is something you'll buy in a bag from a, a garden center, and it'll say right on it, orchid bark, and transplant the plant, if it's been many, many years in that pot it's in now, into something slightly bigger that will give you an opportunity to kind of work those roots 
Some of those roots can be can be tucked down. But remember, of course, the ones on the surface will stay on the surface and, and will always be there. Okay. Um, but uh, you may find that it would be a very happy plant to be transplanted into something yeah, a little bigger. It's in, it's in a plastic mm-hmm. uh, container. They usually are. They're not. They're, it's such an interesting business now, the orchid business. They're just yeah. being produced by the quadrillions, and the prices have come way down. And many, many people have. Yeah, they used them. to be very expensive. Oh didn't gosh, they? Yeah. yeah, they were super exotic not that long ago. Like yeah. nobody, you know, it was, was a, a special flower. collector that it had an orchid. Flower. Yeah, no, yeah. they're they're great, and you're obviously doing the right thing with it. The, <laughs> and but if you're just finding it a bit odd looking, because I personally find orchids can be pretty odd looking as well. Yeah. Um, don't hesitate. Like I say you'll probably do for a bigger pot and a little bit of freshening around the base which will will help maybe do a little bit of masquerading of some of those roots okay the the stems Mm -hmm. uh when the flower blooms i had cut it down Mm -hmm. a bit because it was so tall Mm -hmm. and uh you know regardless i've still got a couple of blooms yeah they'll shoot more buds right off that stem no they're pretty neat the way they do that they just keep on popping you're a successful gardener in spite of yourself yeah (laughs) Well, thank you. Thanks, thank Doris. Thanks for that info. Appreciate That's good. You okay, that. thank you okay. very much. Thanks for Phone your Phone numbers for uh, Charlie Dobbin here on The Garden Show at AM740, 416-360-0740 in Toronto, 1-866-740-4740. And as seen by my screen here, we have two callers from Collingwood. Let's take the first. <clears throat> Don, good morning. Welcome to the show. Well, folks, it's great to talk to you again. Uh, I'm owning from Collingwood, and we have beautiful sunshine here today. Oh, and, great. Uh, yeah, it is. And I want to tell you that uh, while I'm typical of the fact that you've got uh, another call from Collingwood following, you have legions of fans, Charlie and Frank, in Collingwood. Legions of fans. <laughs> legions. <laughs> legions. Well, that's Good great. to hear. Yeah. Uh, the question I want to ask is about hydrangeas. Uh, during the warm weather spell that we had, my wife and I went out and we bought four or five uh, hydrangeas. In pots, uh, they're fully out in flower. They're mm. beautiful. But what we have been doing is uh, keeping them outside on the relatively good days. That mm-hmm. is, when it's sunny and over, say, one degree, and taking them in the garage overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, at what point can we safely put them in the ground and not worry about them? Once we are frost-free, you can get those in the ground. But one thing I would, I would get you to think about and I have just seen some of these hydrangeas for sale it's very traditional around Easter to have the hydrangeas available as a gift to take to dinners etc often those hydrangeas are not hardy hydrangeas they have the big round ball type flowers and pinks and blues and purples the leaves look very similar to the same hydrangea macrophylla that we grow in our gardens but they may or may not be hardy in the long run so do wait until we're frost-free, then definitely put them out in the garden into a situation where they'll get at least a half a day of full sun. Morning sun is preferred as opposed to the hot, hot, you know, afternoon sun. And then because you're lucky in Collingwood and you do very traditionally get snow cover, your chance of those plants is, plant surviving is quite high over the winter. Whereas in the Toronto area where we don't get consistent snow, those plants surviving is not as high. Uh, even though it is slightly milder here, it's the snow that will help them survive and come back next year. But you'll find that typically you'll be cutting them right down to the ground, treat them like a, a perennial, basically like a herbaceous perennial. They'll grow up from the root every spring. All right, that answers that beautifully, and now I'll defer to the next. All right. <laughs> thank, thank you, Don, and say hi to the legions of fans up there for us. That's great. Thanks for uh, your call. Okay, again from Collingwood now, Betty is on the line. Hi, Betty. 
Hi, hi, uh, Charlie. Morning. I have four hibiscus, I would say, standards. Mm-hmm. Some are about, a couple of them are 40 years old. Wow. And about a month or so ago, we decided to take, uh, enlarge the pots mm-hmm. and take all the old soil off, cut some of the, um, I guess the roots off, the loose roots, mm-hmm. and we put soil in. We bought some new soil, and now on the soil, it's like a mold. Mm. What so it was can bra- I do? It was brand new, fresh soil, uh, yes. potting soil. It was potting soil that you bought? Yes. Okay, good. All right. So what, the mo- the white, you're seeing like a white, is it fuzzy looking on yes. the surface? Yeah, yes. it is a mold. So there is some fungus growing in the soil. Not that unusual. I mean, it's organic material. Obviously, there were some fungal spores in there. And the warmth in your house and the moisture you've provided has made it possible for the fungus to grow. So what I would do is two things. One is I would cut down on my watering. With hibiscus, the best thing to do is to water thoroughly when watering, but allow those plants to dry almost almost to desert-like conditions. Allow them to dry so that the leaves aren't so shiny and they'll even start to droop a tiny bit. So it's quite a dry pot when you water again. Uh-huh. That will help lower the, the incidence of the fungus. As well, one of the things that I find can just help from an aesthetic perspective is just get out a big tablespoon and scrape off the surface of the soil, being which will include the, the fungus that you can see, you know, the actual, it's called mycelium that's on the surface. Scrape that off, eliminate that out into the composter or into your green bin, whatever. It's nothing toxic about it. It's just not sightly is the, is the big thing. Uh-huh. And if you have a little more of a different potting soil on hand, you could just top up that top half inch or one inch that you scrape away with another fresh bit of, of potting soil, preferably not the exact same bag that you already used. Yes, okay. And uh, I, can I give you a tip? Sure. In, we take them out in the summer, and when we bring them back in in the fall, I scrape off all the loose soil, mm-hmm. and I uh, saturate it with uh, insecticidal soap, mm-hmm. and I check all the leaves and everything. My husband cuts them back. Mm-hmm. We've never had any bugs for years. That's well, great. Uh, well, 40 years yeah. is a long time to have yes. hibiscus. Yes. So that's your maintenance. Flowers. Yeah, so that's what you do every fall. You every fall cleanse the soil. Great idea. Cleanse the plant. Wash it all off and bring it in. Yes. And thank you for giving credit to your husband for doing some of the work there too. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. All right, Betty. Thanks for your call. Thank you for the call. Uh, two from Collingwood. Isn't that wild, huh? Well, let's see. We're off and running to Hillsdale now. Uh, the subject matter: tubers. And Florence is on the line. Good morning, Florence. Good morning. How are you guys? Great. Good. That's good. Um, I bought some of those tubers that the lady had. I thought she said they were from the Philippines. One, uh, two of them I bought were um, ferns that flower. Mm -hmm. Do you know who I'm referring to? I do. I'm just going to forget the name of it right now, but I know exactly. It's pink. Um, uh, Well, I think there's one of each, uh, two different colors, but I haven't a clue. The other uh, four that I bought from her are black tubers, and I don't know if they go in the sun or the shade or what to do with those. I know the ferns should go in the shade. Mm -hmm. So black, long, like elongated tubers, like it looks like almost like a skinny long potato or a root of something. More like a carrot. Mm -hmm. And you don't remember what it is. No, she didn't say she was so busy when I bought them and people were, you know, hurrying to get ferns yeah. that bloomed. I was going to say, and this was a Canada Blooms, wasn't it? Yes. 
Okay, so this is a really good question, and I have to look it up because my daughter did the exact same thing. She came walking with a plastic bag with all these tubers in it, and one or two of them were yeah. exactly what you got. And I said, so what are those? I'm very familiar. I go, is it Camassia? She said, no. So I started listing all the things I thought it was. She kept saying no, so I never actually found out what it was. I don't know if she knew yeah. either. But I leave got that beautiful flower, too, you know, the one that has the big pink flowers that hang down. They call it the water. Uh, Malaysian orchid, the medanilla. Oh, they're beautiful. Yeah, they are. That that was the big that was the talk of the town at Canada Blooms, that mm-hmm. particular plant. Uh yeah, blooms for months and months and months. I have one in my house still Can in you? bloom yeah. from months ago. So that's a cool plant. Well, okay, leave this with me, this black tuber. I'm gonna have to report back to tell you exactly what it is. And once I can tell you what it is, I can tell you where to plant it. Okay, well thanks a million. Okay. Hey, thanks for listening in and joining in too and the tip as well. Okay, then. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, Florence. You. Bye-bye now. Uh, we're going to take a little bit of a commercial break here, and uh, we'll start out by me doing my exercises it's one those, more time. It's, you start doing that eye-lifting uh, thing. Well, <laughs> I'm doing my eyelids first. First, Up, down, up, that's my right eyelid. Um, now, left eyelid. Yeah, there it goes. Right. Good. Uh, both Frank and I like to stay active. And, of course, to be active, we've got to stretch, we've got to stay limber, and we find that we can be more pain-free with our stretching and our activities by utilizing a totally natural a mineral supplement called Sierracil from the Sierra Mountains. Uh, very simple, three little pills every day. And um, yeah, up and down the stairs, no problem. Time out for push-ups, here I go. Out in the garden. Oh. And Frank, oh. yeah, you can hear he's just pain-free. Oh, yes. oh, that feels so good. <laughs> <laughs> so you can get Sierracil. Oh, gosh, I don't know. Where was I? You can get Sierra's in a lot of different local health food stores. One is the Health Planet stores. There are five locations, North York, Pickering, Markham, Mississauga, and Scarborough, even at Nature Village on Queen Street South in Streetsville. Or give the people of Sierra Silla a call. At Good folks one, to deal with. Exactly. one eight seven seven joint 14 Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You pick the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Frank Proctor along for the ride here, as uh, per usual on this Saturday morning. Nice as to have per uh, usual. As per usual. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm amazed she lets me in the studio anymore, but uh, she does. No, no, it's uh, my head isn't that big. <laughs> nice nice uh, kind of dig, though. You gave yourself a shot, and I like that. Uh, Leona <laughs> in Port Colborne, good morning, and uh, tell us about your hens and chickens. Yes, good morning. Very happy to talk to you. Enjoy your program immensely. Thank you. I have a friend that has hens and chickens, and I just like the look of them, mm-hmm. and I don't know nothing about them. She has hers. It looks like they're growing on rock, but mm-hmm. it can't be. They Somehow they've got attached to something. Well, you give me any ideas for them? It, yeah, they're great. So you couldn't ask for a sort of an easier plant and a kind of a cuter plant to have in the garden, particularly around the edge or those hot spots where, uh, you know, it's very hard to grow certain things just because right. it's shallow soil or very, very warm. If you look closely at the rocks where it appears these plants are growing on, there are some indentations. It's probably kind of a rockery stone, so there's little concavities here and there. 
and little bits of soil have collected in those little sunken areas. And the hens and chicks take advantage of the tiniest, most minuscule bits of soil where a little bit of moisture can get trapped, and that's where they grow. And they'll just cover like a a carpet, you know, huge areas if you Mm -hmm. let them. So hot, sunny spots, shallow soil, they're great. Um, Edges, you know, along sidewalks or places where you just don't want to deal with lawn because the lawn tends to get burned off all the time. Wonderful, wonderful plant to grow and super simple. Ask your friend, just she can just break off a few little chicks for you, bring them home, sit them right on top of the soil, and they will they will find their way to, oh, fantastic. to, to get the now, roots down. I have a real good tip for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've lived here for over 50 years. I've never had any problem with earwigs. Mm-hmm. Last year, uh, they drove us crazy. Mm. I never... I didn't even know what they were, wow. but I had an old, old book, uh, Reader's Digest, from years and years ago, and it's got a thing on earwigs, and I tried it. Uh, what I used is I had a, a dog, and she couldn't chew. She had no teeth, so I had a tin, very thin tin, uh-huh. and it says to put just about a half inch of oil in it. Mm-hmm. Well, I did, and I had approximately 12 of these tins out, and every morning they were full, just literally full with these earwigs. And, and so, you, we, so we they got, went in and crawled into the oil and then couldn't get out? They couldn't get out, right. right. And it was just like, I couldn't believe there was that many. And my husband had taken and put the wheelbarrow for me so that I could put all Ew. my cutting. Dump and your the plates. next morning, it was full of earwigs. Just Yikes. unbelievable. But I'm hoping this year we don't have any, but it really, I, I would say there were thousands of them. Wow. Oh, oh, just but, it might have been partially the weather. I mean, remember what kind of spring we had last year? Yeah, terrible. It rained nonstop for about six weeks, yeah, yeah. and it was cool. And that set up certain conditions for certain insects to thrive and certain fungal diseases to thrive as well. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I have a feeling we're not going to have that kind of spring and summer. I think we're going to be the opposite. I think we're going to be a lot drier this year. So earwigs, slugs, snails, I don't think we'll see huge populations of those at all. But good tip, though. Yeah, it's great. It, it really, like I, I told somebody else, and they put some, uh, like, salmon, or not salmon, but uh, different little narrow uh, oh, like traps. Anything, yep. anything that isn't too tall because they won't get into it. That's right. But they, they said the same thing happened with them. They were just full every morning. Wow. And towards the end of the year, there was none. So they, I must have got them all. You, know? <laughs> well, you can only hope. <laughs> good year we got her. I'll tell you. <laughs> Hang up on a trophy there. <laughs> yeah. So thanks. And I will try my hens and chickens and keep up the good work. With Alrighty. The thanks, Thank you very Leona. much, Lena. Nice to have you on board here. Yeah. 947 our time as we check in with Lois in Toronto. Good morning, Lois. Good morning. Good morning. I'm calling about uh, scale on my Ioannimus. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's a, a Ioannimus on a standard. Mm-hmm. And it's quite large. It's about three, four feet wide, and it's done beautifully over the years. But uh, I've had scale before. Mm-hmm. I've, I've sprayed it with dormant oil spray and sulfur. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering what else I might use. Well, the trick with scale insects is to do your spraying when they're newly hatched. Because the newly hatched scale insects haven't built their armor yet, and they don't have that little shell on their bodies. Oh, yeah. And they're quite susceptible to to death by almost anything, even soapy water, if they don't have their little little armor built. However, the, and typically when the euonymus scale is what they call in the crawler stage, so the crawlers are the ones that don't have the, their little armor on, it's usually early June, but because we're early this year, I would anticipate it'll be more like mid-May. 
So that's when you should be spraying, and they should be, like I say, in the crawler stage. You might even be able to see them, because if you can see the scale now, they're little hard bumps on the stems. Right, it's just this gray stuff all over the stems. It's an oyster shell scale, and it's literally like an oyster shell that they put yeah. over their backs, and that's what makes them so hard to kill because you can peel them off with your thumb, uh, yeah. you know, but that's about all you can do. There's, right. there's no insecticide that will do anything to them. So keep so an eye. oil spray hasn't done anything at this point. Well, oil spray will work brilliantly if it's applied at the right time. So that's the trick. It, it's, there's going to be a fine line between a lot of new growth on the plant and those, those little uh, baby crawlers just emerging. Keep an eye, like I said, and I will. I'll stay on top of this as well and um, announce it on the show when it's the right time. Because magnolia scale is the same thing. There's a very specific time when the crawlers are crawling and the oil is effective. And for your purposes, make sure you've got some horticultural oil on hand. And I would anticipate it would be like mid-May when it'll be the time to spray. So this dormant oil. Mm-hmm. And sulfur kit that I have, is mm-hmm. that what I'd use? Yeah, though you won't need to use the lime sulfur. The lime sulfur is a fungicide, and oh, you I don't see. have okay. a, any fungal issues on the euonymus. What you have is an insect. So, uh, okay. And the oil will smother those little crawlers. Though, And the funny thing about scale, too, is it's sometimes hard to tell when they're dead because they still are on the plant. They hang on. The only way you know they're dead is that they flip off really easily as opposed to holding on somewhat tightly. You know, I don't think I've ever seen them in that stage. Well, I've just tr- seen this scale on the plant. Well, the, if you run your thumb along the stem where all those little right. bumps are, right. see if they come off super easily. Like they just come off like little pieces of dust, or if they come off like like there's a little piece of glue attached, and that will tell you whether they're alive or dead. Well, I've done. I've tried it already, and it's just like almost like just dust coming off. Yeah. Well, those mm. are de- that's dead scale. Then that's a good thing. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, it's still, it's a but good I idea. I all the leaves off it. They were all on, they're all on the ground, and it's, it's never looked sick like it does now. Right. Well, that's it. If the scale population gets too high, then the plant really starts to suffer. So you're right. You may need to do some trimming just to encourage some new growth, get the shape back on the plant. Mm-hmm. But let's start by ensuring that we've eliminated the insect problem first. Then it's fertilizer and pruning to get the plant back in good shape. Well, thank you very much. Okay, okay Lois, thank, thank you very you. much for the call here at thank AM 740. It's the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, and we'll return to our callers in just a moment. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Yes, it's Charlie to the rescue once again. Let's see how she can help out Eleanor, who's calling in from Mississauga. Good morning, Eleanor. Good morning. Morning. I have a cypress evergreen that I was given at Christmas time, mm-hmm. and it's about 20 inches tall, and it's in about a six in- five, six-inch pot. And is it bright lime green? Yes. Yeah, really pretty, yep. Yes, and uh, it's survived very well. I water it quite a lot every day. It mm-hmm. takes a lot of water, it seems. And uh, I'm wondering what is a good spot to plant it, and um, just uh, how big is it going to get? Well, keep in mind a couple of things. One is that is not a hardy plant. So wherever you take it outside, you will be bringing it in in the fall if you want to keep it alive. Oh, because this says it's uh, good to minus 29, zone 5. Oh, really? Yes, with the tag that came with it. Okay, so then it's... Okay, so now I'm confused which plant it is. I was thinking it was um, a subtropical cypress that's like a real cypress. So what you have must be a false cypress. Is this, I don't Is know. there a Latin name on the plant? 
No, there isn't. It's just a card that a came. A little card that says Hardy to Zone 5. Yeah. Hmm. Well, where I would be putting it, uh, right away you know a couple things. One is you know it likes moisture. Yeah. So do put it in a spot where it will get a fair amount of moisture. It could be one of the lower spots in your garden where water tends to drain. Make sure it's a very, that you've amended the soil with lots of organic material. That way there will be, you know, good water holding capacity in the soil. Yeah. And the plant won't need to be watered daily, which you definitely don't want to do. Sun-wise, it should be in at least a half-day sun. Okay. Now, it could be afternoon sun. It could be morning sun. Okay. And the size it's going to get to is going to very much depend on the actual species that that is. Uh, What I would suggest you do is, could you send a photograph to me? And then I'd be in a better position to identify Uh, exactly what kind of size it might get to. I don't have that capacity myself, but my daughter may be able to when... There you uh, go. Uh, The kids know how to do all this stuff. Yeah, the old cell phone camera or whatever, digital. I don't Uh, have anything like that, but she could probably help me. That'd be great. And just get her to email it to C. Dobbin at am740.ca, which is my email address here at the station. Okay. I could take a peek at it and give you a better idea of the size. In the meantime, you're not going to take it out until we are frost-free. Oh, right. And yeah. you, when you do take it out, you're going to introduce it gently to the real world. Mm-hmm. So the sun and the wind and all that kind of thing is a slow process for these plants. Yes. You can't just take them straight out. Otherwise, you'll get all kinds of burning and tip uh, yes. loss of tips. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Well, our Thanks darling of the daisies. Thank you very much. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you very much. Um, our darling of the daisies is doing quite well, just whipping through these phone calls like crazy. Well, thank you, yeah. oh, guru of the garden uh, <laughs> thank you. under guy. Yeah. Uh, okay, a couple <laughs> of things I, neg- I neglected to mention <laughs> earlier. Okay, under guy doesn't work. Uh, no. Under gardener, <laughs> sous chef of yes. the garden. Don't denigrate me any more than I already The am. best sidekick I've ever had. How's that. Okay, I like that. Okay, so Riverdale Horticultural Society will be holding their meeting on Wednesday, April the 11th, 7 to 9 p.m., as usual, at the Frankland Community Center, which is on Logan Avenue, just south of Danforth. Topic for the evening is Anne and Bob Granite, Graniteer of Trails and Iris Garden, who are speaking about, obviously, irises, all about irises. So they will have some of their best irises for sale. If you're an iris collector, you're going to want to attend the Riverdale Hort Society meeting on April 11th. The reason I bring up April 11th is because uh, April the 14th, we are having a very special show. So I mentioned next week is you and Dennis. That's very special, Mm -hmm. as we know. And the following Saturday, again, will be special because that's going to be a show that's all about email, answering some email finally. Yeah, we we get backed up so often on the show. Yeah. Don't get a chance to get to them, but we will. We will. A week from next uh, That's Saturday. That's right. So, Meantime, lots going on. Helen in Hamilton on the mountain there waiting to call in about her hollyhocks. A lot hello. of H's. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Helen. Hello, hello. Good morning. Uh, yes, Charlie and Frank, I, I really, really enjoy your show. But I, I love hollyhocks, and I'd like to know the best way to grow them from seed. I have planted them. And uh, I get very little growth from them. Okay, so a couple of things to remember about hollyhocks. They are what we call a biennial. So that means when, when, they, when you plant a seed, the seed will germinate, and the first year you just get a little rosette of green leaves. Oh. That winter comes, those little leaves all turn brown, but the root stays alive. Oh. S- next spring, leaves emerge again, but this time a big flower stem comes poking up through the center, and we get the beautiful flowers. Oh. Then the flowers finish, seeds are created after the flowers. The seeds disperse, usually straight down to the ground below where they just grew, 
and that whole cycle starts again, that oh, two-year cycle. I know that. I so, thought they just weren't going to grow when I saw a little bit of, of growth on them. Yeah, so be patient with, with hollyhocks. Don't hesitate. Any particular type of soil that they're better in? You know what they love? A crummy soil, lots of sun. What s- kind of a soil? Crummy. <laughs> crummy. <laughs> the poor, poor quality soil oh, is really? just fine for hollyhocks. They, oh, my goodness. They are super happy. It doesn't have to be great soil at all. What they really, really need, though, is lots and lots of sun and very well-drained soil. They do not want to grow in a wet spot. So lots of sun. Soil uh, can be of whatever caliber, but like I'm saying, you don't have to amend it a, a, a lot. Oh, well, uh, it can so be much. a very general, all-purpose garden soil. Just scatter the seeds on the surface of the soil. Make sure there's lots of sun. Oh. Be patient. Be prepared for some green leaves the first year, flowers the next, and allow those flowers to disperse seeds so that you'll have hollyhocks forever and ever. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, well, you're very great. welcome. Thank, thank you for you. calling in, uh, Ellen. Right. Pleasure Bye-bye. to talk to you. And all our callers this morning, it's been a real delight to have it them on has. the air here, Charlie. We've as just had... per usual. Yeah, exactly. We've had yeah. lots of great callers. And um, one thing to think about is our lawns. You know, we didn't get a lot of questions about lawns other than the one where the one woman had some grubs mm-hmm. digging up. Remember, this we're at that interesting time of year where... You know, we can't, we're not planting anything in the gardens yet. It's still too early. Uh, You know, try and stay out of the gardens, really. But rake your lawn. Consider getting your lawn aerated. If there's a lot of traffic on your lawn, children, wear your golf kids, shoes. Out there. Wear your golf yeah. shoes, or do what I do: hire the people with the aerator. They'll come in and do a core aeration. Totally worth it if you've got a clay soil or a lot of traffic on your on your lawns. And top dress and overseed. That way, you'll avoid lots of problems this coming summer. Excellent. Okay. Well, time to thank our uh, producer there, um, our good friend David, David Gaskin. Gaskin, and our special and guest out there, Grace. Chris Hi, Grace. Hi, Grace. Yeah, used to be the producer, That's and uh, right. now she's trying to. Bu- oh, she's trying to take over the chair from David. Oh my I God. No, she's trying yeah. to teach David something. It's obviously. <laughs> Stay tuned for Thanks. Dave's Corner Garage coming up next. And thank you, Frank. Thanks thank you, Charlie. To all our great callers. See everybody in two weeks. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.